The desire of Titus Women is to invite women around the world to know Jesus as their Savior, Center, and Source. May God guide and encourage you through this message by Beth Coppage. We're going to start with a start a little bit in Acts 4. We're going from Acts 4 to Acts 5. And we'll start with verse 32. Verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they all had things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked anything, for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things were sold, and they laid them at the apostles' feet." And they distributed to each as anyone in need. And Joseph was also surnamed Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus. Having land, he sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira's wife sold a possession. He kept back part of the proceeds. Uh, and his wife also, being aware of it, brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to, the, but to God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered and said, Tell me, was the land sold for so much? And she said, Yes, for so much. Then he said, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young man came in and found her dead and carried her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard of these things. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none dared to join them, but the people esteemed them highly. And the believers were added to the Lord increasingly, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out and laid them on beds and couches, that the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on them. And a multitude gathered from surrounding cities, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits that might be healed. And the high priest rose up and those that were with them, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with jealousy and, it, and laid hands on the apostles and they put them in the common prison. But at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said go stand in the temple 
speak to the people and share all the words of this life. Yippee. <laughs> Jesus, we praise you, praise you, praise you that you're here today. We praise you that you're alive and well. We praise you for your transforming power that is able to set us free. We praise you for the blood of Jesus that can cleanse from all sin. And there's no pit so deep that the blood of Jesus isn't deeper still. And we praise you for the name of Jesus, the name that is above all names. And today we pray in that powerful name that you will come and speak truth in the inward part to every single one of us women represented here. We love you, we worship you, and we wait in joyful expectation to see what you have to share with us today. In the strong name of Jesus Christ, amen. I, you can sit down. What a privilege today to be back together to share about what Jesus Christ, who he is and what he's able to do in our hearts. Remember last week we looked at chapter 4. And when there is revival, there is always persecution. When there is a stand for the Lord Jesus, we should not be surprised that the enemy comes in to try to undo what God is trying to do. And so they prayed at the end of four for more boldness, that they would have greater boldness as they were brought before the Sanhedrin. And they asked God to give them greater boldness. And he came again upon them in verse 31. And they were filled again with the Holy Spirit. And the Lord didn't equip them with gifts of, uh, to be able to speak in all the known languages of the Roman world at the time. What he did was he came and he gave them boldness. He filled them with his spirit and gave them boldness. And once again, that that happened in chapter 2 happens again. There's this sloshing over of agape love. There's this sloshing over of love so that the believers were in one heart and one accord and that they didn't possess anything of their own. All that they had, they were willing to share with one another. And there was great power and great grace upon them. It was the resurrection power of the Lord Jesus that was demonstrated in their lives and is possible to be demonstrated in your life and my life so that we can live together through the power of the Holy Spirit in one heart and one soul, and that you and I are able to live with great power and great grace, and that we are able to be witnesses to the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus showed us that he was able, to, he was raised from the dead, and just as the Lord Jesus was raised from the dead, so the Lord Jesus can raise us from death to trespasses and sins, to that that the enemy has, binds us with, so that we can live in resurrection Easter life, 365 days a year. So they give a contrast then. It's beautiful how, how Luke weaves this in together. And I'm so glad we're going through the book of Luke because, ladies, if we were picking out key chapters to speak on, we would skip over Acts 5, would we not? We just wouldn't pay any attention. But I believe that God has some deep truths to share with us. So once again, when the Spirit comes, there is wisdom, there is power, there is boldness, and there's this overflowing of agape love. And there's great grace among the people of God. And there is this, this longing 
there's the or what has happened is the orientation has been changed to self-love and where I am the center of my own reality where Jesus himself becomes the center of my being by the power of the Holy Spirit. So there is a change. I am no longer curved in upon myself like it talks of Luther talked about, but there is a change in my life so that my orientation becomes toward him and toward others so that I have the capacity to care about someone more than myself. This is, an, this is totally from the eternal God. He can give us the capacity to love through us how he loves, he is love, and he cares. And you and I can care about someone more than ourselves. Now, an example of this is Barnabas. He's a very positive illustration of this. Barnabas was from Cyprus. He was a Levite. And his name, they gave him, his name was Joseph, but they gave him a, a change of name because he was such an encourager. They called him Barnabas because he was an encourager. And he had land, and he sold it, and he brought it, and he laid it at the apostles' feet. There was such, God had done so much in his life. There was such resurrection power that went into the life of Barnabas. He was so grateful for who God was and what he had done that there was this overflow of self-giving love. And he took his property, sold it, and then gave it to the apostles to just give away. Now, we have the next story is the exact antithesis to this. We have the con contrast. There was a couple, too, in the early church, Ananias and Sapphira. They sold property. And what did they do? They kept back part of the proceeds. They were aware of it. It was a conscious act, a deliberate act. They wanted to appear more religious than they actually were. They had a love of money and a love of praise. And they wanted to get acclaim in the Christian community in which they were a part, but they didn't want to pay the price to, to walk the walk. They just wanted to talk the talk. So they held back part of the proceeds, and they did it together. Now, they were unaware of the incredible power of the Holy Spirit because the word says that when the spirit comes, he will lead us into all truth so that he convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So they came and they said, oh, we sold our property for this and this amount. And immediately Peter in his spirit knew this was not true. And he said to him, Ananias, Satan's filled your heart with a lie. And he said, and you have lied to the Holy Spirit. And you have kept back part of the price of the land. Now, there was no requirement they needed to give any of that money to the apostles. They could have just sold the land. Hopefully, they would have tithed the money off the land. But they certainly didn't have to give all the land to the apostles. None of this was a requirement. All of this was just this overflow of love. And so he said, you have lied while it was in your hands, and after you sold it, it was your own. Why did you conceive this thing in your heart? You have not lied against us. You've lied against the Holy Spirit. And Ananias heard those words, and he fell down dead. And then young men came, wrapped him up, and carried him out, and buried him. 
They still do that in many parts of the world. When you die in less than 12 hours, you're buried because there's no embalming. And the, and they had warned Sapphira, the wife, didn't know about it. So three hours later, in comes Sapphira. And she said, and Peter says to her, he said, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes. And he said, why have you agreed together to test the spirit of God? The feet of those who carry buried your husband will carry you out. And Sapphira falls down and breathes her last. And she was carried out and buried. And the fear of God fell upon all those who were in the church. And the fear of God fell upon the non-Christians as well. What is God saying here? God is saying that you and I need to be very careful to walk in truth. Truth in the inward part. And that you and I need to be very careful that we do not live lives that are hypocritical lives so that we pretend to be in a position or to be more faithful than we actually are. And that all the time we are professing to belong to Jesus Christ and professing to have given him everything, there can be no pretense in our life. We cannot hold back anything. We, if we say we are all his, we need to be all his and we need to walk in truth. Jesus said, I am the way, I am truth, and I am life. And if you and I are gods, we need to be all gods and hold nothing back. The difference between Ananias and Sapphira and their toxic faith was they kept that part for themselves. They didn't make a clean surrender to Jesus Christ. They weren't filled with the Holy Spirit. They were still filled with their own spirit, but they were pretending to be other than they were. And the reality we see in Barnabas, a man that was all gods, had given him everything, and there was such an overflow of agape, other-oriented love, he just took all his property and gave it all to God so God could have it all. And they were one heart and one soul. Now, this is a very interesting thing because... I believe that God wants to say that to us, but I believe he wants to say something else to us today, even in our marriage relationships. Because I, in the ch last chapter, remember in verse, Peter turns to the Sanhedrin and they say, we don't want you to speak anymore in this name. And Peter says, well, it, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than man, you judge in verse 19. And then over here he says, we ought to obey God rather than man. So that what I believe God is saying on another, he's weaving out before us in another dimension, is that the highest authority in your life and my life, if you and I are going to be set free and in our personhood, is you and I need to enter into an agape relationship with the eternal God. And that you and I need to surrender our wills to the will of God. But that needs to be, and that needs to be the highest allegiance in our life. It is higher than civil authority. It is even higher than marital submission. That the highest calling in your life and my life is to the full will of God and purposes for our lives. And that the love relationship, the is the love relationship with the eternal God.
so that you and I are to live in obedience to Jesus Christ. And if we are called upon in the civil realm to, to do something that does not please God, we have to choose to do God's way. If we are called upon in marriage relationships or family relationships or at work relationships to do something that is not what God would have us to do, as he spells out in the word of God and he spells out in the Ten Commandments and the Beatitudes, you and I need to choose to do the will of God, even if it costs us our life. And some of us, and it's and some of the teaching in the church, we have had so much teaching, especially in Ephesians 5, that husbands and wives are submit themselves to husbands. That is all begun with submit yourselves one to the other in the fear of the Lord in Ephesians 5. And that wives, and then you and I are to submit in love to one another and, and submit in the, our love relationship to our husbands. But if you are ever called in your relationship, to do something that does not please the Lord Jesus, you have to choose Jesus first. If you are going to know the fullness of his presence in your life, and if you are going to know the overflow of agape love. God comes to us, and in the person of the Trinity, and I, he needs to help us to be able to understand this, and he needs to say to us today what I can't even say well to you because I'm just beginning to see it. Isn't that precious? Some things he just just showing. So we're all like, he's taking us to deeper levels of himself, which is so precious. But remember when we look at the Trinity, that he, God himself, is self-giving love in the Trinity, in the nature of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And when we look at our God, the Father, Son, and Spirit live in this self-giving love to one another. The Father, love, and Spirit live in communication with one another. And it is creative communication. All of creation was begun with a conversation, and God said, and there was the world. And God spoke, and there were the fish. And God spoke, and, and the beauty in creation comes out of conversation in the Godhead. And, they, and it is no accident that the second person of the Trinity, the Son, is called the Word. Because in a love relationship, you and I communicate if there is any way, there is communication between lovers. And there is communication in the Father, Son, and Spirit. There is communication between us as human persons. We're the only part of the created order where that is true. And there is freedom. There is freedom in the Godhead. There is freedom and submission, the beautiful combination, so that Jesus is free to submit to the will of the Father and with joy comes and offers his life for us. And Jesus is free to give his life for us. It is a double-edged love. And his will is simply to do the will of the Father, John 13 through 17, over and over again. This love relationship with the eternal God, with the Father. So he's free to do the will of the Father. But then he's also free to give of himself and lay down his life for you and me because of his love for us. So there is freedom to submit and give of himself. And that's what God calls us. So that Peter addresses Ananias. And when you and I, and then he addresses Sapphira. And when you and I come before the eternal God, 
and, and, and God calls us to himself. Do you know what? He will come and he will address every single one of us with the dignity of our own personal choices. And every one of us will come into the presence of Jesus and he will say, what were the choices that you made? And Sapphira, if she had said, Peter, I knew he was selling it for two, saying he lied. And he said that he was selling it from getting more than he did. And he kept back part of the price. Peter, I tried to tell him that this was not right. But Peter, he would not listen to me. She might still be alive today. <laughs> because what do we have? God deals with each one individually. The tremendous dignity and freedom he gives to every single person, male, female, child, boy, girl, teenager. He gives each one of us. That was what was so amazing in the Reformation with Luther. The priesthood of all believers, that we could come and God deals with us. So we are responsible for our own choices. And we are not, and we are responsible before God. There is res responsible freedom and the freedom we have to submit to him and then submit to one another. So that Jesus wants us, and those of us that are in relationships that sometimes can be questionable, say, my highest allegiance is to love Jesus Christ, mind, heart, soul, body, and spirit. And then he gives us the beauty of the Ten Commandments to tell us how to love him then how to honor our, with our time, with our life, with our time, and, and then how to honor our parents. Then we have the beauty of the Ten Commandments, how I am to honor others and love them in agape love so I don't hurt their reputation. I don't damage their sexuality. And so, the, and so the, all, and I don't uh, take away their reputation. And then the Ten Commandments tell us how to live in possession, in our possession, so that we don't covet, but we live free of covetousness, and that we are set free from being possessed by our very possessions. God wants to come, and he wants to set us free, and he wants to put us in relationships so that you and I are responsible in our freedom before him. It is an incredible, incredible thing. It's an incredible thing. Remember the story of the man who worked, who in his office, he was a young lawyer, and the older lawyer came to him and he said, you're just going to have to fudge a little bit on this report. And he said, because, and the young lawyer said, well, I'm a Christian. I, I don't think I can do that. He said, you've just got to grow up and get in the real world. I mean, nobody... Everybody does this. This is just what's expected. Now just grow up and get in the real world. You're just wet behind your ears. You either do this or you're not in the law firm. And the young Christian lawyer just said, well, I can't do it. I'm not in the law firm. Well, the older lawyer was astounded. But he just packed up his desk and left. And the Lord opened up another law firm. When his old boss wanted to have somebody do his estate planning. Do you know who he went to get for his lawyer? He went to get the one that he had fired. God's looking for us 
so that you and I have integrity of heart, mind, soul, spirit, and body so that we are wholly his and we are whole. It's the incredible beauty of the gospel. Now, the beautiful thing that God wants to say is this is not a license for you and I not to be submissive in our love relationships with our husbands. In the very opposite, he wants us to live in truth and integrity in all of our relationships. But remember in James 13, 3.13, he says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good conduct, that his works are done in meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. The wisdom, this wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, and full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And ladies, if you are gut level honest today, and if I am gut level honest today, you and I can see whether we have been filled with the Holy Spirit or we need a new filling of his presence because are you controlled by bitter envy or selfish ambition? James says the root cause of all our fighting and disagreements and arguments is because the core of my being is still me. So that it is selfish ambition and then bitter envy because somebody got something that I wanted and after all, don't I deserve that? And do you know the believers had to make a new word for love because in the greatest of human thought in Plato and Socrates, there was no word for love except the word for love and it meant I use you because you can, take, you can meet a need in my heart. And that is the wisdom of the world. The only way we know how to love without the agape love of God shed abroad in my heart is we use each other. We abuse each other, what we just read. We, we are, it's all about us. And so often, even in Christian community, we have no community because there's still bitter envy and selfish ambition because we have not allowed the knife of the cross to go into our self-centeredness. And even in our marriages, he said, why do wars and fights come from among you? You do not, they, do they not come from your desire for pleasure? I want to get my needs met when I want them met just like our two-year-olds. And we don't quite stamp our feet like our babies, but almost, there are times in our marriages we do, and in our interpersonal relationships. I deserve better than this, and didn't I marry you to, for you to make me happy? And you're not doing the job that I deserve. And so there's quarreling and bitter envy. We lust and don't have. I think I need that to make me happy. And then we don't get it, so we murder and covet and cannot obtain. And murder is a very strong word there. But I think what we do is when you and I are self-seeking and the Holy Spirit hasn't come and been shed abroad in our hearts, what we do, and we can kill the spirit, if not the body, of person after person in our lives, in our families, and some of you are recipients of that, 
in the, what you have felt from your own family members who have murdered you in their spirit. And, the, and you're spending your whole life trying to get resurrected out of some of the abuse, verbal, sexual, physical, but sometimes it's just put downs. And God doesn't want any of that. He doesn't want any of that. He said, you lust and do not have. Why do you fight and quarrel among yourselves? Because there's bitter envy and self-seeking. You do not have because you do not ask. And in James 1, it says, every good gift and every perfect gift comes from the Father above. And if you and I are going to know God and know him in the fullness and let God do a revolutionary new resurrection thing in our hearts and then in our marriages and our relationships, God needs to give us a new center. And he next needs to take out the self-centeredness. So instead of us plotting and planning and maneuvering and pitching fits to get our own needs met, you and I begin to come to the Father and say, this isn't a legitimate emotional need. This is just a desire. But our first place is to go to the Father instead of fighting our way to get what we want. And the, what happens when we fight and quarrel is there's absolutely the opposite of what we see here. There's discord and disconnect and disharmony. When the spirit comes in and he begins to transform us in the inner place of our souls, then out of that comes that self-giving love so that we are able to yield our will for the will of Jesus. We are able to be merciful and kind. We are able to love all our children the same way. There's no partiality. So children don't have the damage of, of what happened in Joseph's family long ago. God can come in and he can move into our families. And he says, do you not want this? I can give you more grace if you will humble yourself. And he says, submit to God, resist the devil, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. And he said, the reason we don't do it is because our hearts are adulterous. And God puts it in terms of the covenantal marriage relationship, which is a paradigm of the love relationship God wants to have with us, where we are in him and he is in us. And we share the same name. We share the same. There's an exclusive mutual love relationship with the eternal God. Ananias and Sapphira had it in each other, but they missed him. And they were both lost. And Sapphira did not stand up to Ananias and say, wait a minute, I can't go there. And then they were in one accord and there was such power in the early church. Do you know what happened? Not only, there was overflow to the secular world. How long has that been? <laughs> so that the secular world's bringing their people. They're lame. They're blind. They're halt. They're demon-possessed. That those, that the shadow of Peter might pass by and they might be set free. And they brought their sick people and those who were tormented. Why? because the healing, resurrection, presence, and power of Jesus was so alive in the early believers and their hearts were so full of the Holy Spirit that the resurrection power of Jesus just sloshed over and even touched the secular world around them and drew people to the healing presence of Jesus Christ. 
And the minute this happened, the religious church leaders were jealous. And they hauled them all into court. And do you know what they did? They locked them up. If you live in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, full, led, empowered, and anointed by the Spirit of Jesus, you will pay a price. If you do not live in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, you will also pay a price. Ananias and Sapphira just thought they could sneak through and nobody know, so they held back. And it cost them their lives, and it cost them their eternal lives. And today, in verse 19, I think I'd like to just close there. An angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. And he said, go, tell, speak, tell all the words of life to the people. I believe Jesus wants to give us new centers. Fill us with the overflow of his agape love. I, want, I believe he wants us as women to make choices to follow Jesus no matter what. And I've had some women say, well, if I really go through with Jesus, then my husband is behind me. He doesn't have the same longing to follow Jesus. And I don't want that wall to be built up between us. And do you know what, ladies? You cannot slow down your pace. You just need to ask Jesus to accelerate his pace. <laughs> You have to choose, and you can only make one choice. You cannot choose for children, family members, husbands. You cannot change them. All you can do is choose for yourself. And you can choose like Barnabas did and live in the overflow of the agape love of God and be just a creative lover of Jesus and impact the church in such an incredible way. He's the one that went and got the Apostle Paul from Antioch and, and the most strategic man in the New Testament. It was Barnabas, and it started right here. Or you and I can choose to be like Ananias and Sapphira, or we as women that are married can choose and say, well, I just don't want to let anything happen in my marriage that would hurt it, so I'm just going to make my marriage the end and the ceiling of my relationships, and it is not big enough. You and I need to make Jesus, and the redemption of husbands and children depends upon our choices as well. If we say no and we do it our own way, we will hurt them as well as ourselves. I want to know today, is Jesus the first love of your heart and the center of your being? Is it love of money or love of praise like Ananias and Sapphira? Is there bitter envy and selfish ambition? Does God need to do a new thing in you? Does God need to do a new thing in your marriage so that it's not all about you and your marriage, but it's about Jesus, so that you have the ability to yield and give self-giving love to the ones in your, your husband, your children, and your family? Only God can do that for us. So the discord is replaced with one heart and one soul. Now, sometimes, ladies, and I feel like today, 
that it would please the Lord if we would begin to pray and we would begin to ask God to make us squeaky clean with him as our center filled with the Holy Spirit. But then I believe it would please the Lord that we would begin to pray for those that we are in closest relationship to and even especially to husbands, some who are with us, some who are ahead of us and truly leading, but some who are behind us and that we would begin to stand in the gap today to say, Jesus, can you do all that you need to do in me so I'm not part of the problem in our home? But Jesus, could you then do a new thing in, my, in us as a couple so that the purposes of God could be released not only for me but us as a couple and us as a family? And this can be true in other relationships. But that God would come and loose his Holy Spirit so that the power of Jesus is released and that you and I truly become people full of the Holy Spirit and have homes that are, we are a home for God and create a home for God. And I believe we can stand in the gap for that. And I believe it is part of the privileges that we can appropriate. Over the weekend, I read this story by... Um, Corey Ten Boom, and she said that she was speaking in a, a in behind the Iron Curtain before the curtain fell, and she was in the Republic of Czech, and and she they didn't allow her to speak very often. It was mostly home meetings, but occasionally she would get in a church, and when she was and this time they allowed her to get in the church. The communists did because what could a little old Dutch woman do? So they'd let her speak. So she stood up to speak. And she said she felt like the people in the audience were just so hungry and so thirsty. And she shared about the abundance of Jesus, the agape love of Jesus, that Jesus longs to communicate, that God is a communicating God. He is the lover of their souls, that there's freedom in Jesus, even if there wasn't physical, civil freedom. And as she shared, she felt they were just thirsting and thirsting, but she said they just seemed like they were bound. And the young woman that was traveling with her said, I think the enemy has, been ba has bound them. They're not free to come to the water of life and drink. And she said, I think you're right. They're not free to appropriate all that Jesus has provided for them. In spite of, civil, in spite of the civil problems of living behind the Iron Curtain. And so the next night she went and she was sharing about victory in Jesus. And then halfway through her message, she felt the Lord. And she said, wait, we are going to stop. And she said, she prayed. She prayed a very simple prayer. She said, in the name of Jesus, the powerful name of Jesus, I pray that every single person in this room would be loosed from the bondage of the evil one and set free to have the capacity to drink of the water of life and to seek the presence and face of Jesus in all his fullness and joy. And she said, I prayed it in the name of Jesus and with the blood of Jesus. And I appropriate the blood of Jesus' protection over us here. And she lifted up her eyes and there was just like a miracle that passed through the whole auditorium. <laughs> the power of the enemy was broken. It's just like Acts 5. The doors were shut. They were locked in. 
the prison doors were, and, the, and Jesus just went and unlocked the doors and said, go, speak, and share about resurrection life that cannot be bound. And she said a great movement of the spirit of Jesus came on those people and a great and openness and brokenness. She said, afterward, I was invited to speak with the preachers. And the preachers were all downstairs, and some said, Corey Ten Boom, you should have never done that. You know that the communists don't allow you to do things like that. And, they didn't. and then some said, no, she should have. And then some said, no, she shouldn't have. And then all the theologians sat there and argued back and forth. And she said, I just sat there and let them just argue. And then they said, Corey Ten Boom, why did you do that? And she said, because the Father told me to. And she walked in obedience and freedom came. And if you and I today, as we come, I believe we can come. And I believe we can even say, Jesus, can you set me free so you're my sinner, so I'm full of the agape love of God? And I begin to walk in truth. And if you walk in truth, they lied to the Holy Spirit, to each other, and tried to lie to the church. And no more lies. Say, Lord, I want to walk in truth. Whatever that means, you are truth. I want to walk your way. You are the way. And I want to walk in life. You are life. And then as you and I begin to say that, and then you and I begin to say, Lord, I want all the power of the enemy to be broken in me, be broken in my husband and my children and my family. In the name of Jesus, in the blood of Jesus, that the power of the enemy is broken and you set us free. And then let Jesus come so that healing can come just like it came to the church. And then just like it came to those that were needed physical healing, mental healing, and emotional healing. And just the shadow of Peter passing by, full, led, empowered, and anointed by the Spirit, brought healing to a secular world. Oh, Jesus wants to get us so full of him because they're little girls like that one in a Muslim country that needs Jesus. And they're little girls that live in Nicholasville and little boys and little neighbor children. It may be your own children. And all they know is a mama that screeches and a mama that just cares about me, myself, and I. And God says, no, don't live that way anymore. And don't live that way in your marriage anymore. Let me set you free so that you can be the mom I created you to be, the wife I created you to be. So out of your home and out of your life will run rivers of living water that will touch a whole globe for God. Because one woman said Y-E-S to Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, we pray in the strong name of Jesus today. We don't want to lie against the Holy Spirit. We don't want to pretend to be more religious than we actually are. We don't want to hold back anything from you. We want you to get rid of bitter envy and selfish ambition. Instead, fill us with such love for other people for you and for others, your love by the power of the Spirit, that we actually are, are changed in our orientation, that we, our hearts just are 
carry others more than ourselves. And we know the sweet joy of Jesus taking care of us and loving others through us. Oh, Jesus, today, would you give us new names and make us new people? And Lord Jesus, don't let any of us live below the privileges that the Father has provided. And we pray today we come against the power of the enemy that would keep any of us bound. And Lord Jesus, let today be a day when someone is set free for the joyful will of God. And Jesus, we love you, praise you, worship you in your strong name. Amen. If you want to learn more about Titus Women, visit us online at TitusWomen.org.